Good morning. Oh, there. Back away. Back away. Welcome, everybody, back to another exciting episode of Maker That Money right here on the YouTubes. Uh, we record every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time on YouTube. But if you're listening back after the fact, uh, we are a podcast. So first and foremost, uh, if you are not interested in just staring at our weird faces and stuff like that, that's fine. Uh, find us on, you know, Stitcher, Apple Music, all those things. Um, we are an audio-based first, but we do like engagement. We do like people being able to chat with us, and YouTube is a great way for us to do that. Uh, I see a number of familiar faces, familiar handles in the chat this morning. Uh, Alex, Mihao, Liz, everybody, welcome. Thank you. Uh, also, also. We are a call-in show, believe it or not. I don't know a lot, a lot of people don't always take us up on that because it takes a brave soul to to want to call in and share your voice, as Ben will attest to here in a moment. Um, but uh, if you feel like you want to call in and ask a question or make a comment in person, you are always welcome to do that. Hit us up on the Maker That Money hotline. The link is right above my head here, repcord.com slash MTM hotline. With me today, as always... Andrew Mayhall, King of the Empire of Sticky, Lord of 3D Gloop. Andrew, how are you this week, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you? I am well. I can't believe it's Friday. <laughs> we say that every week, right? It's just the I weeks know. fly by. It's a it's a fact of life as you age. It just I, I think it's I can't an believe we're already like as I'm getting older, like each week is like click, 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 and suddenly it just yeah. feels like somebody's like, you know cranked up the speed you're just like oh my We're god just <laughs> accelerating to our death as morbid as yep, that yep. sounds uh and that voice that you may or may not recognize is mr ben Edie, nerd maker ben. to the stars ben tell everybody who is your daddy and what does he do what is your elevator pitch why <sighs> do people want to hear from you as a guest on a business-centric maker podcast I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> and at least you're honest. Um, you know, the thing is, is that I, I'm all over the place. You know, I, 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 you know, my background's engineering and then I got into doing some movie special effects and then props. And then I've got cosplay things on the side and I still do a little bit of engineering and even yeah. like, uh, like forensic analysis of crime scenes. And, and it, the thing is, is that, it's so hard to pitch. It really depends on the audience. If I have a one-on-one -on -one and I know I'm meeting somebody, I generally have a pitch in my head, but when it's something this broad, it's like, uh, I do everything <laughs> and nothing all at the same time. <laughs> uh, a true, a true maker to the core. You know, you're a maker when yep. your side hustles have side hustles and it sounds like you've got quite a few. Yeah. Well, tell tell us about them. Tell us about. I mean, I know you're known specifically for doing yeah. some pretty top tier epic stuff for Hollywood, doing uh, mm -hmm. prop making, stunt, uh, yeah. uh, special effects stuff. But yeah. uh, what, what what's what what's keeping you busy these days? You know, uh, I've taken a year off effectively. This is actually coming in on almost the day that I, my wife and I decided that Ben needs to get his head back about him. Mm. <laughs> and um i know Shigri. it's it's a privileged situation but the, the fact is is that uh, my, my wife is she's beyond amazing and and has always been the breadwinner in the family so i i basically get to screw around quite a bit oh and, you got a sugar um, mama <laughs> yeah yeah and and why she hangs out with me i have no idea but you know lucky man <laughs> but um 
so yeah, the last year or so I've just kind of been waffling and trying to refine myself, but uh, you know, geez, what's been, I, you know, worked as I've done everything from, I was in the infantry, Canadian infantry for many years. Um, did everything from explosives to ended up in, uh, doing things like, uh, I was hired for enemy force, like a, a training force for the special forces. Okay. Uh, because I was wow. really good at like, you know, excuse my French, but I'm really good at fucking with people. So, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, and especially if it involves machines and gadgets and traps, man, I'll, I'll make your life miserable. <laughs> and apparently that's a employable skill in a military. Yeah. <laughs> e- evil genius right. resourcefulness, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. And then, um, yeah, I decided to go to engineering school and, um, you know, I've got, uh, it's an engineering technologist. So I'm, I'm I can't say, so I can say I'm an engineer, but it has to be a lowercase e. This is a Canadian thing, and it's, I don't know. I'm going to have somebody's going to lambaste me, but I don't agree with it because effectively I do everything that the engineer does. I just don't have the stamp. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, right. Yep. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Dollar store engineering. Yeah, exactly. So um, then, you know, had my own. I found that, like, when I got into the workforce, I was bouncing from company to company because I would get hired for a special project. Once that project's done, I'm done. And I started realizing, well, if I'm going to be hired to these companies, why not just be a consultant? So I decided, right. okay, I'll set up my consultancy. Did that, and I was ma- I doubled my wage in one day, and I was working at the same companies doing the same thing, but with four more money. So I just kept doing that, and I did that for like 15, 18 years. And wow. one day, a friend of mine said, hey, you know, I'm working in the movies. My special effects coordinator needs somebody that can design stuff up. You kind of, you know, he needed like a crazy engineer that's willing to take risks, and you came to mind. <laughs> and I'm like, well, thank you. Good guy. <laughs> And so the next thing you know, I'm working on Star Trek Beyond. And from there, I just kept getting phone calls from people to help out. And just here I am, you know, it's, building up that IMDB it, page, man. Look at yeah, you. Yeah. And the, the thing is, is that I don't engineering my engineering company. I made I made decent money and I don't make as much money in the movies. I know people say you make a lot in movies and you do. Don't get me wrong, but yep. I don't make as much as I did. But I'm so much happier. Like I, I was at the sort of like the 15 year mark, I became so miserable doing the same thing in and out mm-hmm. and the same, not the same companies or same people, but the same characters came up with the same problems and you'd go, I've got the solution. And they would say, yeah, yeah. They, they would say they implement it. They wouldn't implement it. They'd call you and you're just like, I told you what to do. Why are you not doing? And it, it became <laughs> this like, just listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's funny because you're you're cut from this. We we only met first of all. What, what was it back at uh, at Silicon at, at yeah. Adam Savage's big con in uh, in San Jose? And uh, I, look, I don't want to speak for you, but I'd say we hit it off immediately just because I feel like we're cut oh, from dude, the same absolutely. cloth. Uh, like you, you know, I got bit by that kind of independent consultant bug where it's just like, this is great. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I can make my own hours. I can yeah. work in my pajamas if I want to some days, like, uh, and, and once you get that, that taste for it, it's, it's hard to ever imagine going back to working for somebody else and being beholden <laughs> to somebody else telling you what you have to do, when to make your schedule, if you can go to the dentist or not, you know, asking permission for stuff sucks, but yeah. I know it's a luxury that a lot of people don't have. And it's a scary jump and not all of us have a sugar mama. Oh my God. It's, you know, it's as our so safety like net. We're, we're I'm, I'm 22, what, 23. Yeah. I'd say 23 years as an independent. 
Oh, that was only Every day years I old. wake up thinking I need to like, you know, my medication in the morning is like, I need, you know, half a bottle of Tums because I'm just like, <laughs> am I going to make the bills next week? Yeah. yeah. And oh, I know yeah. I just said yeah. that, you know, I've got a sugar mama and stuff, yeah, but yeah. you still have that. The Before I met Pam, it was, it was like that. You have this roller coaster. Am I going to make rent? And once you've, you've had that put in your head, you can't get it out of there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. even if you are safe, you still have that anxiety and God, I, I, I always wonder if you could remove that anxiety where the world would be, because then like Joel was mentioning something on along this lines is, is that, you know, how much creativity is being um, suppressed by, you know, healthcare, but can yes. that be just by being able to make rent or can that be um, there, there's so many different things. And then along that lines also comes in my head. I, I know I jump all around the, place but you're in there's one thing that always made me wonder and this this thought came to my head while i was writing transit in calgary once and i'm like imagine the world if knowledge was shared and not sold wow yeah just completely altruistic and Mm -hmm. and i try really hard to like i've got a million good ideas we're talking about me having a domain earlier before the show started and or just buying a new domain yeah and it's one of those things where it's like okay the chances of me bringing this to life are almost zero now, if I gave that seed to somebody else, would they nurture it? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's hard to let go of that idea because it was, it's, it's like, it's like one of my kids, you know, <laughs> I, I feel you so much. I had this conversation just like two weeks ago with uh, a, a fellow entrepreneur. Her name's Emma. Um, and, and we, we get together and chat. She's like a local, I always look for local networking opportunities whenever I can, but mm-hmm. I was saying the same thing to her. I was like, how cool would it be? And she's like, you should make a holding company, right? Cause it's like, we have these ideas and I would, I'm like, I'm with you. It's like, I want to see it born. And at what point am I willing to let go of the fact that it was my idea and just to see it get made versus Mm -hmm. like, oh, am I really going to do that? So it would be neat to have some like, and there are holding companies that that do that, right? Obviously, but Mm -hmm. uh, it is a challenge because it feels like it's kind of your baby and you want to see it done a certain way. And the minute that you hand it off you need to kind of be okay with hey they may take it a completely different direction for good or for bad yeah and and like you know it's it's also i always look at you know it was my idea what's what's that value if i give the seed idea to somebody and they run with it do i get three percent in perpetuity you know and is that a fair ask because sometimes you're like i think foam armory is a perfect example where stephanie chan is my business partner in that yeah. But the reality is, is that the business Shout is out Stephanie. Right? Yep. Yeah. It, it was my idea. Mm-hmm. Please run with it. Yeah. And, you know, I, man, I feel bad for her. But at the same time, I'm all over the place. And I told her right from the get go that like, look, you know, I totally in on making this run, make a run for it. But like my involvement mm-hmm. is going to be sketchy at best. <laughs> and Maybe and you'll catch to me. deal yeah. with that. And I, I feel for these people that, yeah. that I sort of bring on board and, and, I think in some ways she knew what she was getting into, but also, you know, you don't know what you're getting into. Right. So like a year or so down the road and, and, you know, I can see her fatiguing on it and I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm contributing to somebody's miseries in some ways. And I am and I'm not, you know, but someday, hopefully you'll look back and say, thank you for taking me down this road. Hopefully it gets to that point. So, so we've had this conversation in the past, Andrew, you recall, we've talked about the, and I got, I've gotten into it on Twitter, the idea mm-hmm. of what is an idea worth mm-hmm. now? Yep. 
having been here, and this this is a digression. This is the beauty of this podcast. I love this. This is not the direction (laughs) I was expecting to go with it at all. And I want to talk about the healthcare thing that Joel brought up last week and all this. I've got like a million ideas floating around in here. Uh, But in terms of the value of ideas, let's just stay on that for one second. Yep. Mm -hmm. I always say an idea by itself like i've got a million you know people are like i've got this billion dollar million dollar idea like every day all day all that and it's execution that really has value not the idea itself and totally there are tons of people that want to argue no no you can take an idea and you can go sell it and like fine maybe there's some rare instances where you can be lucky but Mm -hmm. but i would argue unless you're bringing something more than the idea, like if, if, if they're bringing like the, just the fact that you can say Ben Edie is attached to this project or, or they can leverage your contacts or there, mm-hmm. there's a lot more value that's like kind of under the surface that I think is understated in, in what maybe you set up with foam armory or some of your other ventures. No, for sure. You know, you got to look at, you know, the, the idea I look at as a big chunk of marble, right? Mm. Finding Michelangelo to turn it into a million dollar or billion dollar artwork is a, is a totally different thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So me giving you that chunk of rock. Yeah. What's that worth? Because the, the reality is, is that, you know, the value you've added is, is that you cut it out of a mountain. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, you, you just, you never know, like, and sometimes, but, but in the, if you look throughout history, I, I love to read history. I love to read books yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. And and just like the, the odds are against most businesses. What Andrew, Andrew's my stats guy. Like what percentage of businesses end up failing? I don't know. It's high, right? You know? Oh yeah. I think it's, it's something like it was 80% or something like yeah. that within the first five years. Well, it's like really high. Right. No, let's, let's add some some complexity to it. And this is, this okay. is one mm-hmm. thing where I was asked, you know, what do I have for a title for this podcast? And I'm <laughs> like, well, you know, I have an engineering company. I have foam armory. I have the Dreadmaker Roberts in my YouTube channel. I've got the special effects and um, there's a bunch of other small sort of micro ventures under each one of those umbrellas. And this morning I was having coffee. I'm thinking like, I need to, I need to simplify. There's a point where everybody goes, you've built everything up and you're like, okay, I have to call the herd. There's, there's too much going on. Yeah. And at that point I started thinking about things and I started realizing that there are some things that I'm working on that I thought were successful, but they're only successful because one of my other ventures is making enough money to float the other one. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And it's trying to identify the clock, the cash flow because in my case, there's a lot of Peters and there's a lot of Pauls and there's a lot of exchanges happening there They're and all robbing I, each other because of the way I'm wired. It's like everything's part of a, a big bubble and I can't compartmentalize it. And because I've done that, but then the fear comes up that I get rid of this. And what if I find out that's the secret sauce that was making this one the money? So like, mm. shit. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all robbing time and energy from each other and if we're lucky we're just kind of incrementally raising that bar but you, you never know what's gonna hit and when and sometimes it's you know what do they say it's the collision of opportunity and just yeah. uh you know mm-hmm. ex- well, and, experience and even the psychological toll of carrying these thoughts in your head it's a burden. like <laughs> it, it's like you know the brain gets full and it won't go and and like you know i've i because of ADHD, you know, I, 
I've got a memory book. I just forgot where I put it. You know, it's so I have these notebooks. Oh, the irony. Yes. They, I've got these notebooks that care, like the moleskins. I, I found that I spend a stupid amount on a really high end notebook that really is no better than what I could buy at a dollar store. Mm. But because there's intrinsic value in it and because I like it the way it feels, I carry it more often. And I buy that because I buy it so that I carry it around because it's a valuable thing to me yeah and because i have it around i write ideas down and if i write the ideas down i can empty my head onto the paper knowing that i can always go back to the paper so mm. moleskin first of all in this case it sounds like this is just to keep your brain from blistering over but that's like oh my you, God, you yes. found something that works for you so i i love andrew and i love talking about minimum viable product about just yes. getting mm -hmm. it done getting it out there and all that stuff and so if you know, it's like a lot, a lot of this game, like, I don't know what percentage we would say, but like is hacking yourself to know what works oh within the flows, what your, what your strengths, what your weaknesses are. You've defined mm -hmm. like these moleskin notebooks are your jam. That is how you, yeah. that is going to remove the barrier for you yeah. to yep. get it done. But so, but take this in. No, I go work for a new production and yeah. I tell them I need a notebook and I go, but I want a moleskin. I go, I know this sounds like I want Great you to remove look. all the yellow smarties, but like, seriously, I want you to buy a moleskin that will make all the difference. And if I'm at a company and they give me like a coal ring binder, it's like, okay, you don't no, you don't understand. Insane. Right. Yeah. But I, yeah. I love the productions where I go. And, and if they hand me a coal ring, it, it helps me. This is me sort of as a litmus, litmus test, understanding yeah. that are they listening to me and what I'm saying, yeah. or are they just like, mm. okay, they need a notebook. That's all they heard. They didn't hear the brand. No, no, no. So yeah. when I, that also helps me understand the people I'm working for and the level of engagement I might get because I'll bring my own moleskin. That's not the issue. I sure. really just want to know if they're willing to do that. And there's been a few shows where like um, Ghostbusters is a perfect example. I came in, I said, Hey, I like moleskin. Here's the reason why. And it was within an hour, they had a moleskin. They go, do you want the big one or the small one? I'm like, I'm going to love this show. Yeah, it's it awesome. Was, like, it was <laughs> These are my people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. So uh, yeah. David Tobin in the chat, uh, Joel's producer, brings up. Yeah, yeah, uh, I know David. David's yeah, awesome. Oh, yeah, d good guy. He, he uh, One, he's a big fan of Moleskins as well. But uh, also he was saying uh, when we were talking about ideas, that's why producers and professional story thinker uppers exist. Yes, that is a profession, David. However, I think you would be the first to advocate for the fact that the percentage of time you're spending just like coming up with the idea and then taking the idea to inception are totally mm -hmm. different things and your major, major value in my eyes. I think, I think both are important, but like you are the guy that people call because they can get it done. Right. It's like, you and know, all the pieces I've been calling David for these reasons recently. Because you are an executioner, yeah. executor, ex I don't know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah, he needs a black hood. Oh my yep. god, the executioner. Yeah, the executioner. Um, but uh, uh, that you know, how much of producing? Tell me in the chat, David, what your opinion is. Like, how much of producing is actually like where the rubber meets the road, like executing on the idea versus generating the idea? Because that's what I mean when I say the idea itself is such so a small component. Literally two minutes before this, I was talking to David on, on chat. Yeah. About, like I'm, I'm pitching a TV show to some networks, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's an idea I've had mm -hmm. for many years. Now, this is where um, I started realizing that surrounding yourself with people, it's not necessarily going for the producer, but it might be finding the people that have as much passion and can feed you some of the energy that you've been giving out to the world. So, mm. for example, is, is that 
got a hold of of Michael Corey. Props to history. Yeah, I and love we that were dude. talking about this. And finally, he said, "Well, I'm going to be down in California. I'm going to stop in Calgary on the way back home. Let's shoot something." I'm like, "Okay, that's cool." So he's coming over a weekend, and I'm like, "We'll get some phones and stuff like that." And I get a hold of a buddy of mine who normally rents high end cameras and stuff to, to productions, like not not mm-hmm. super in, but like you know, reality TV camera kind of stuff. Okay, and and he's like. Well, shit, if you're going to bring Michael here, we're not going to, you know, you're not using phones. I'll give you all the, the camera rentals. And then he's like, wait a minute. Okay, so I got trucks. I've got a slush truck. we got cameras. We've got lights. And I'm like, okay, wait, this is getting boom too. Operator. And literally before I had a chance to go, yeah, but we had a crew of 17 people, high-end, like oh two of the gosh. top cinematographers in Western Canada, cameras <laughs> and everybody. And I'm... I, I call up like, you know, a video guy that I know going, Hey, I've got this idea. And I start doing the pitch and he's like, the fact that you said you got an idea, I'm in. And I'm like, but you haven't even heard. And I, I was so humbled. I was at the end of that little you know, awesome. one day shoot. I was just about in tears going, I can't believe these people believe in me. But the whole reason for this whole story is, is that I came up with an idea. I wanted to run with it. People immediately latched onto it and understood its value. And they started feeding me their energy to move forward. And in mm. the motivation for me to continue on and do more than what I was, did I hit a button wrong here? No, 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 no. That means okay. we have a caller and we'll get to him in just a yeah. moment. Okay. The, so yeah, it, all this energy I was getting from everybody, suddenly the production went like the video I had in my head went to like weird storyboards and scripts and guests. And it was, it was amazing and humbling, but everybody brought stuff in, but it wasn't that I needed a producer. I needed that, that nudge and that nudge Mm. and that energy is what kept me moving forward. Because the reality is, is that it could have, the other flip of that coin could have been Michael came here. He, he arrives, we go to the pub and you know, I'm sending him on a flight back two days later, hung over as hell. That, that could have happened. That's a good <laughs> time. And but... it was just a matter of suddenly somebody goes, I believe in you. And now that they believe in you, I feel obligated to make my dream come forward versus the find an excuse to go have a beer. That's one, that's an awesome story. And two, like that, that speaks to, well, one, that, that reputation is obviously earned over time, right? Like if you were just Joe Schmo mm-hmm. going out to, to production company, they're not going to give you the same consideration, but, uh, you know, that, that is the benefit of doing this over time. And that's where a lot of the sweet opportunities are. All right. Are you ready to take a call? Here's a, Hold it. we got, Oh, Oh, somebody's on the hotline. Uh, <laughs> greetings, caller. You're on with uh, Benny Eady and uh, Pooch and Andrew. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Can you guys hear me okay? Is this working? We sure do. It I recognize great. his voice. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. David Tobin on the line. How are you, David? Good. I figured this was easier than typing. Um, <laughs> for sure. Right? We always love hearing your voice. Uh, David Tobin, producer go. for 3D Printing Nerd channel and uh, uh, CEO of AudioJack. Been on in the past. Uh, good to hear yep. you, you, mm-hmm. you back. How, what, what can we do for you today? Well, you were asking about like, um, you know, what percentage is that? You know, taking the idea and execution. I like executioner. Uh, I'm starting to see, because I don't have an actual model created. Maybe it's like the producer executioner model or something yeah. like that that can get made. Like the Grim Reaper. Just, just yes. like search yeah. for a Grim the Reaper. Grim Reaper of, yes. of, of poor, poor producing. Um, I'm here ah. to salvage your souls. 
Um, but no, I, I think a lot of it is like, you have an idea. Like, I mean, also like a thing too, is also I tell people like, don't tell me your ideas because I may already have it going yeah. on in my world and stuff. And that's a whole nother thing you guys should get into. Mm, but the other point. thing too is, um, like with an idea, like there's tons of good ideas. And within each production, you have to keep having the ideas because you may have an idea. I know this is going to sound very meta, but it's like, you know, you have an idea for a project or a show. It's like, oh, cool. We're going to go ahead and pitch this. This is great. And then you get there and you're like, well, wait a minute. This needs to change. Oh, yeah. and if you don't have more ideas and if you can't evolve that through production, you have to be able to do both because you have to maintain the creativity and the spirit of the object because that's what, what the impetus of all this was. But then you also have to have the pragmatic side of like, how do we make those mm -hmm. ideas work? So there's, you know, a return on this investment, whether it's personal or financial. Right. It's, mm -hmm. it's like knowing who your audience is too and not being yeah. married to the idea because like I've got my TV show in my head already planned out, but I also know that the reality is, is that if I want it to become something, the audience that's what's watching it, it's not me. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to have to adapt to that. And there's going to be things where I'm just like, really? That sucks. But I'm not the audience. So mm -hmm. live with it. Well, that's it. I mean, you have to, you're, you're making a product, you know, at the end of the day, when you're making a TV show, if you're making a show for uh, Discovery or for, you know, HBO, you know, it's, it's different. There's different audiences. audiences. It's mm -hmm. just like, like with 3D Pretty Nerd. Nerd. Like, I'm, I'm not, not going to produce the show with Joel the same way we produce Technically Nerdy, our other channel. Right. Like, they're both different. Mm -hmm. We might have similar content elements, but it's about telling the story in a unique way. And that's a really neat thing, too, about someone like working with Joel, who is versatile and also has that producer core. I mean, you know, he created all of it. I came in and said, hey, let's throw gasoline on this fire you created, you know, yeah. and it worked mm -hmm. and it worked in a really, you know, a really, I think, you know, good way. But it's like, it's understanding your audiences with all of it too. It's like, you might have an idea for a show and you go into A&E and they're like, wow, this is really cool, but it doesn't work for us. Can you modify it? And then you mm. can still make it work. You know, you can still go, well, let's pivot on that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, that's interesting. So, so just a go ahead. It happened a few weeks ago, but my, my youngest, we were uh, going to a doctor's appointment and uh, he, he looked at me and he's like, what is the demonic plague? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like okay, that is awesome. But I'm like, it's the bubonic plague. And right. he's like, it has nothing to do with demons. And then as soon as he said that, I had this, this superhero character. So demonic plague is going over the earth yeah. and immediately I have a superhero called the Grim Preacher. <laughs> so I think I think David needs to be known as the Grim Preacher. I love it. Executioner. <laughs> Maybe we can there get Wexter, Wexter to do his mini or something. Uh, that that sounds yeah. awesome. The Grim Preacher. You you heard I it like here. It. Coined well, first by Ben. No, well, no, 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 no preacher. I'm Jewish. Let's not go there. Come on. Um, <laughs> I mean, it can be preacher not, and just the let's generic. Not, sense, let's not. Let's keep this non-denominational. I like the Grim Reaper thing. But also sure. something you mentioned earlier. It's like about you know. These ideas and having money for it and the altruistic, like, you know, what if people just shared ideas? And I think that's also something, too, that, like, is also the core of a lot of what all these people do, because, like, there we're, we're out here putting this stuff out there and, you know, people are using this information. And I think that's also kind of also happening with your ideas, too. You have to understand, like, you know, you are putting ideas out. You're not trying to sell everything. Sure, we're on things that are monetized, but, like, anyone knows, like, you, you have, have to be having, having like 10 million, million views on every episode, episode to be bawling in YouTube land. And yeah. that's like, you know, that's for, you know, other people mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So it's always those ideas. 
you're always sharing and creating that community. And I think that's what's interesting too, is like, how do you grow that? And how do you bring that to other platforms like TV networks? Well, we, we've gotten, yeah. man, this, this, this hole mm -hmm. goes deep, first of all, because we've talked about open <laughs> yeah. source oh, yeah. before. We've talked about, I mean, there is altruism out there. I, I, and I love seeing mm -hmm. places, I mean, the internet is full of terrible things, but it's also full of really great stuff. And when I, you know, we're into 3D printing a lot. And so when I think about, the uh, the the Thingiverse, the things, the the printables, the fact that people are like taking designs and sharing them with the general public, and yes, there are licensing requirements and stuff, and some are op more open than others, mm -hmm. and stuff. But in the general uh, um, maker spirit, a lot of the times, like a lot of people are just like, "Hey, I had an idea. I'm putting it out there. I'm not trying to necessarily make money off of this. If you like it and it's useful to you, great. Uh, if you want to improve on it, like we've seen just some amazing projects." come out and it's what an awesome time to be part of that. And I wish we True. celebrated the success of that a little more. So this, this sure. It makes me wonder about something recently is that, so if you, you can look at things in a couple of ways. So I've, mm. I've built some recently, where is it right here? So I made this, this thing. So I do these indoor flying models. So I'm not sure if you can see back there is a penny plane, right? Yeah. I saw the video. Mm -hmm. It's a good video. So now, to do this, you got to have rubber that's a certain thickness. And to get that certain thickness, you need a rubber cutter. And these rubber cutters are like anywhere from a thousand. You can get okay ones for about 300. But I was looking at this going, I don't want to spend that much on something I'm not necessarily going to use for the rest of my life. So I, I designed up something that's 3D printable. Now, mm. what's going through my head now is I'm going to release it to the general public or to the to the community, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's like, okay, so do I do it on, you know, give me a tip because you found this interesting and you can make it. And then that way I don't have to necessarily be uh, doing tech support or telling people why their print isn't working or why this sucks mm -hmm. because I I, mm -hmm. I hate peopling. That's one of the things I'm horrible <laughs> at. Like I like hanging out with people <laughs> like you, but as soon as it's somebody for tech support, it's just like, there, yeah. there are times where you know they say there is no stupid questions no there are stupid questions and you're just like oh my god i don't want to deal with you <laughs> because people don't read the fin manual right you know yeah. like yeah so yeah but going back to the whole point of this is that now i'm looking at the engineering time i put into this normally you know let's say i did you know 10 hours or so at a hundred dollars an hour it's worth a thousand dollars to me so if i sold the 3d models and got a thousand dollars back it was i'm getting that hourly pay mm. The problem with this, and this is where, when I first started my engineering company, you know, 20 some odd years ago, was that it doesn't scale. So I can't mm -hmm. make, like, I, once it's done, it's done, those hours are wasted. I found that I, I, I actually made an awful lot of money teaching people how to use SolidWorks, doing video tutorials, just screen capture me talking over it and then putting it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And there's two ways that that made me money. One is that it would show people that I could do the engineering that they needed to be done. So they'd hire me. Right. Or they'd watch it. And then I realized, well, wait a minute, if I do 80% of this, I'll put on YouTube for free. And that last 20%, that little tidbits and to make sure it's all organized and made into chapters, I put it behind a, a paywall. And I realized that that one video, if I looked at the hours I put into it, I made that back by getting that job. But I also ended up selling it over and over and over. Uh, so there was, suddenly there's this scalability and, and, and I got addicted to it. And the problem I have is, is I look at everything now and going, I don't want to just sell my hours. I want an investment and working for movies mm -hmm. is great, but you'll know, go and talk to a, a producer or a director going, Hey, I want to cut. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, you're funny. <laughs> Um, well, listen, first of all, uh, David, I want to thank you for, for calling in and sharing your, your feelings on that. 
uh, your boss is in the chat saying you need to be answering your email. So we'll let you oh, get back yeah. to <laughs> Yeah, right. Why, we're, we're, we're emailing. No, 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 oh, no. don't worry. I know, I know. the boss, though? I don't know. Yeah. I think they're like a, a commune, a commune. You know, they just they are an autonomous We are. We are actually creating a, a 3D printing commune. We're going to be building it um, in Seattle. So oh, get ready. I want to come. Place where you can is it like right? Don't drink the Kool Aid. Like a kibbutz, there's resin waterfalls. Yeah. It's gonna be gorgeous. Oh, um, amazing. <laughs> resin water. All right, guys. Have a great day, David. Your great chat with y'all. Cure it. Oh God, no. All right. Have a great day, y'all. Take care. <laughs> See you, David. Keep up the good work. All right. Appreciate you. Um, uh, love that dude. Uh, I, I could talk to him for for hours and hours on on a, any number of topics. Find, I'll I'll be honest. I find Dave intimidating, and and because he's he's scary smart, and you know it. And he, <laughs> he doesn't. He talks a little bit. He doesn't talk that much, but he's always sitting back listening, and that makes me nervous because it's just like, man, the dirt you have on me after a five-minute talk. No, that's just the wheels turning, man. He's an ideas guy. You just well, gotta. And mm -hmm. he's got that. No, he's not. He's not intimidating. You know, like he 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 is. No, uh, I, like, I know what you mean, though. You gotta. Yeah. You have to experience. Like it. You're I don't know. In presence of a greater power, in some ways, it's <laughs> it, it's like. Um, there's in Shakespeare, I think it's Twelfth Night, where the jester gives the king an answer to a problem of his. And he's like, I've hired all these wise men. Why does the jester know this? And he's like, because I'm not spending my time telling you how smart I am. I'm listening to what's happening. And I formulated an idea. Those one. people that sit back and listen, those are the ones that know what's happening. Yeah. And they're also the ones sitting back with that sly smile. And you're like, why? What's what's with the smile? Because you know that they're like, Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Fingers steepled, <laughs> just uh, the wheels turning. Yeah. Um, David. Yeah. 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 He's, a, he's, a, he's a very effective at what he does. A good ideas yeah. guy and an excellent producer. Um, I want to I want to push forward on on a topic that we we'd gone into last week that Joel had brought up and you you mentioned it, and I'm glad because yeah. it's, it's literally on my list. Uh, the the. I don't know if it's a brain drain, but we talk about the the potential loss of of ideas and and businesses and opportunities in the U.S. specifically because of the fear, the yeah. barriers of entry into the entrepreneurial world. Yeah. A very big one being our healthcare system, and how yeah. so many people believe that. Um, it's going to be immensely, and it can be, it's going to be immensely expensive for you to have to pay for healthcare privately. Mm -hmm. We we are so accustomed to thinking about getting our healthcare benefits through our employer. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That's been kind of programmed in since, I, I want to say the 40s or the 50s or whatever. Yeah. And it's not always yeah. true. Like there are ways, and we've been lucky since uh, you know, uh, the, the, the times of, um, you know, the Obamacare coming on the scene and stuff yeah. like there are options for you to affordably and, uh, get stuff like I, I go through a healthcare network and I know there, there's a lot of people that are going to argue, well, you know, I need to see my doctor or the quality of that, you know, I'm not yeah. here to debate the quality of healthcare. Mm -hmm. There are solutions though. And I think that it is important that messaging get out, but I think it's also important that the government start thinking about, that impact because I don't think that's part of the conversation a lot of the time. Absolutely. And, and you're in Canada where that's not maybe necessarily as big of an issue. Yeah. 
we talked to Hacksmith no, about this last it, week. The thing is, is that it's it's um um how do we describe this? It's the gr- the grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence. It's different grass, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. So um, what's happening, say up here in Canada, is is yeah, you, we've got the healthcare. It's it's not perfect, and but we've got to cover. We know that, like you know, I've I've been in some major major accidents where like I've I've literally broken 35, 40 bones in one Ooh. accident, right? Oh, like a story. I didn't worry about whether I was going to go broke or not, right? Yeah, there, yeah. There's a lot to be said about that. However, you know, um, something like say shipping. So with foam armory, yeah. If you're using Canada Post to ship something, um, for me to ship a, a package that is an inch thick and weighs four ounces, yeah, not even four ounces. I don't even think it's an ounce. It ain't super light. It'll cost me sixteen bucks to move it to the next city. Yeah. Right. And it's like, wow. oh my god. So in in my eyes the the postal system in canada is is an issue and and what's happened now is that there's companies in canada especially if you live closer to the us border is that they what they'll do is they'll pick up all your your postage stuff they'll drive it across the border and ship it via us post at a different at, at a fraction of the cost so for me to ship some of the foam armory stuff from calgary to edmonton it's a 3 hour drive yeah $16 yeah. for me to ship from Calgary to, I don't know where the furthest point in the U.S. is, but let's say Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Probably Florida, right? so almost sure. Mm-hmm. Corner, right? Yep. $4. Yeah. Wow. Right? Wow. And, you know, the difference is, is that I look at things like what the, the, the postal service is killing how many businesses, because you look, you got this great product, you got a good idea, you can make it happen, you can manufacture, everything's perfect, and then you mm-hmm. can't ship. Now, I dove down this deep hole where you've got to look at shipping is like, there's this worldwide cabal where all the countries come in and I'm, I'm not kidding. No, I know it. They all come in and they talk about, okay, so this nation is, is a, a have not nation and this is a have nation. So the have nation needs to pay more in the whole global shipping than the have not. Yeah. Now, great idea, but here's the, here's the crux is, China is considered a have-not, and the reason why we get all these Chinese goods for nothing because shipping costs nothing because they have somebody in there as a lobbyist going, "Hey, you know, we're a third mm-hmm. world nation," and blah blah blah. Have you ever gone to China? Because I I know that I there's not. always going to be pockets of stuff, but like this isn't a third world country. No, right. Mm-hmm. So why are they getting this extra kick? Because because the, <laughs> the government I, knows I, it's good for business. So, but going back to yeah, healthcare is a crux in the U.S. And say shipping and something else will be a crux here. And uh, another analogy I have is somebody was asking me about some of the props that we got for Ghostbusters. And they said, if you built it versus got it from a prop shop, would you do things differently? I'm absolutely. So they did it wrong. And I'm like, no, not what I said. I would do it differently. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, okay, so, you, so it would have run better. I'm like, I want to say yes, but the reality is no, because if I built it, I would have built it differently, but I would have imbued different problems that still would have had to be solved on set, taking the same amount of time. So the fact is, is that it would have changed nothing on the end product, Mm -hmm. right? So I can sit there and have all this bravado and go, I would have made it better. And I got to sigh and step back and go, you know what? I would have, I wouldn't have used that mortar controller but I would have used the wrong lights and I would have spent time working on the lights versus the motor controller and nothing would have changed. Interesting. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, and I'm jotting down notes furiously because I want to touch on that, but I want to finish this thought here. Uh, Grant in our chat at 3D Musketeers says he would gladly pay more for shipping to have affordable health care and not be worried about getting hurt, which is an interesting Mm -hmm. point uh, because as Mm -hmm. business people, we don't really sweat. Like shipping costs certainly can be more directly passed along to a customer. And the morality of it. Well, and there's Mm -hmm. a psychological component, right? So right now we're talking about like the businesses that never got created because people are just too potentially afraid of the, yeah. the, the downsides. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, go ahead, Andrew. I mean, there, there are yeah, a good I, amount of barriers that potentially are intimidating to a lot of people that could be great business uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I think, I, I think this is a really interesting point because, you know, ultimately I, I think it comes back to, the entrepreneur themselves like i i am all for you know trying to remove these barriers and see what extra creativity can happen because you know less barriers to entry but i think it's the i think it's the the fight that the entrepreneur has to go through to overcome these barriers that makes a good entrepreneur a good entrepreneur and Uh, actually proves the viability of the business if you remove a lot of these challenges I, I believe that some of these things, uh, some of these things are going to impact the the longevity or the quality or whatever oh. it might be that you're creating. Uh, you know, I mean, for for me, when we started Gloop, like, you know, I had to face the same issues that that pretty much everyone else here in America did. Now, what I did. I chose to forego health insurance for a period of like three years. Mm. Yes, it was a massive risk. Working without and a yeah, net. I had to pay a penalty, you know, but it was one of those things where it's like, you know what? Okay, I, I believe in this so strongly that, I, you know, I'm going to figure this out. And there were several times where I got injured pretty bad. And it's like, okay, I've got to figure out how to, how, you know, how to mend this wound. I got to figure mm-hmm. out how to do this, you know? Is there a gloop <laughs> for ahead. that? Here's do you have your own skin for you, now? I always look at it. It's like going to Best Buy and they're going, do you want to buy the extended warranty? And I never do because <laughs> yeah. statistically, if you look at it, I can buy mm-hmm. cars and TVs and computers and one of them is going to break and I'm going to have to replace it. But that single cost is going to be less than what I would have paid for the extended warranties. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you got injured and stuff, granted, you know, there's the catastrophic injuries and stuff and it is a gamble. Yeah. It's a total crapshoot. But Absolutely. did you pay more or less trying to fix yourself without insurance yeah. than the insurance itself? <laughs> And it, and in my case, you know, there was there was actually a time where I had to go to the hospital, the emergency room, because I had you know some chest pains, and like uh-huh. I called the doctor, and they're like, "Hey, what's going on?" And they're like, "Yep, no, you you're going to the emergency room." Granted, it, it turned out to be fine, mm. but you know that one that one expenditure, I think when it was all said and done, it cost me like six thousand dollars to you know to Ooh. get over. <laughs> now, you know, had I paid for the minimum viable health insurance plan at that time. I probably still would have paid just as much because, mm-hmm. you know, this in this, you know, country or health insurance, I'll, I'll admit it. It's kind of backwards and broken, um, you yeah. know, and in many cases you're paying no, hundreds <laughs> of dollars a month just as a promise to not go bankrupt. You know, well, like, I mean, nowadays I pay almost five thousand dollars a year in health insurance just for myself. And I still have deductibles and everything else to me. And this is the base minimum, you know, health yeah. insurance plan that I can So get. let's tie these two <laughs> ideas together for healthcare and whatnot. So here's one thing I see happening in, in Canada is, is like our, our drugs and stuff are much cheaper. And, and granted, we might have the no name brand version of something. And, and like, whether sure. that is a big difference or not, I don't know. I'm not a medical professional. But 
what I see in the US is, is like say COVID hits. Now there is a massive money incentive to all these corporations to make a vaccine and be the first one out, right? Mm -hmm. Because they know there's going to be a massive payday because of that, that motivation happens a lot faster in sure. Canada, because things are regulated, that motivation for that massive payday doesn't exist mm -hmm. for these companies. And that would sure. have never been a motivator here. So you, you end up having the altruistic people, which God bless their souls or like, whether you're, you, you like deities or not, they, they might not have the skill set. Sometimes those guys, whether you like it or not, the ones that are fully money motivated are the ones you want on it because they're smart as hell. And they're the ones who are going to come up with the right idea. And the altruistic people may or may not come up with it, but you're right. The, the people that are motivated in that sense, well, genuinely and, and come I think up this... with a better product like it or not this ties yeah it ties back into what i was saying is i think you have to have these trials i think you have to have these these you know barriers to entry so that yeah you have to you have to think through this and you have to figure out how can you accomplish this and you know you mentioned shipping like we have a unique product we deal with a dangerous good it's yeah. classified as a dangerous good and to ship said dangerous good across you know like state lines or even you know in internationally we have to follow so many different regulations so yeah. not only am i taking the the aspect of being an entrepreneur trying to start something from scratch i'm now also taking how do i even distribute said product yeah. let alone the manufacturing of said dangerous good so i had to deal with all of these regulations but i think what it what it kind of you know did for me was it made me think through of all of the all of the barriers that I had in saying, okay, well, if I solve this problem, I know I'm going to be presented with this next problem. And each stage, I had to figure out in which way that I could make the minimum viable product to actually make it happen and then turn a profit so that I can keep growing. And, right? and, you know, and I'm not too, trying to say I'm better than someone else for no, doing this, but I think it's part of that. It ties in. I could tell you exactly why you are. So I know in one of my videos, I show people how to make a version of Gloop, a homemade version of mm -hmm. Gloop, right? Oh, yeah. Oh. And I can do that at home. Do you know what I do do is I buy Gloop. And do you know why? <laughs> because the bottle with the brush and the little seal is mm -hmm. of so much value. And I'm not spending my time making it. And in the end, I looked at the amount of time it takes me to make this stuff. And if you're a small <laughs> guy, the people who aren't going to buy your product yeah. are going to be the mm -hmm. one to mix it at home and show them how to do it. Sure. But the ones, the ones like me that use it, like literally ever since that first bottle I got, I've been using it like at least once, <laughs> twice a week. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> the, the fact is, is there's a lot of value. And for me, and I know it sounds silly, but the biggest value for me is one or two things. I don't have to mix it. Right. And two, mm -hmm. that bottle rocks it's one it's, it's just like it's just like my my moleskine i love the mm -hmm. bottle i love opening it because it makes me feel good because you feel safe it's, and it's sealed and it's, it's an cool, experiential right? piece and too. because of that that value makes me come and buy mm -hmm. your stuff well, that, well that's that, cool <laughs> I mean, brand value i mean we could go on on that too yeah. we, um but here's the thing we've got you know 20 ish minutes left uh, to go and i know people are here because they want to hear some dirty details about the movies and prop making and that stuff. And we haven't even scratched the surface on any of that. So I want to pivot for a second. Uh, yep. And, and at some point we're going to have to get big enough where we can have like an after the after show where we can record oh, all these dude, extra I'm little back. tidbits. But um, let's talk for a second, Ben on, um, on 
some of the stories from like some of the movies you've worked on, you brought right. up an interesting point that I hadn't even considered when, when a producer or a movie is looking to like get props made or get special effects done. Uh, it's, it's not obviously as simple as just going to a prop. I mean, I guess it can be sometimes going to a prop shop, yeah. buying something and having it, but they're employing you and your expertise a lot of times for something like RC controlled ghost traps yep. and stuff like that, because it's not going to do them a lick of good if they don't have, it's going to break. They need somebody that exactly. knows the inner workings of it. And so your value is not necessarily like just as the prop maker, but it's also as like the the guy that the operator and the it's the they hire me for what's in there right right and and like it feels weird to say that because i've always self-deprecating or not i always i've never thought of myself as as that guy you know you know I've, yeah. i i was in the infantry i ran around with a gun you know <laughs> and i i grunted a lot and swerved my face off <laughs> And now I'm being hired for my brains. It's weird. Yeah, <laughs> quite a juxtaposition. But I mean, you—that is the I, we. I don't know how many people, Andrew, we've talked to that have been guests that have mm -hmm. like started out like knowing from the jump they wanted to get into entrepreneurship. Like a lot of people just fell into it and we're kind of fumbling. Mm -hmm. We talked to, we talked about this with James last week, like where he's talking about being yep. a shitty entrepreneur. I'm like, dude, spoiler, we're all shitty entrepreneurs just trying to oh figure God, it out. Yeah. Right. And, mm -hmm. and that's, but, but I think part of the maker spirit is that like you, like you were saying earlier, Andrew, like we have these things that test us, we have trial by fire and we are willing to endure a little bit of that pain and sacrifice. Ben, mm -hmm. I was watching your, your recent, I don't think it was your most recent, but your, your Tom Hanks series where you talk about the yep. Wilson ball. Can't wait for the exciting conclusion. Oh my God. And, and that one's been taking me, I, I feel so bad. It's been way too long to get that one. Oh, out. I know. Anyway. I know. I know it's a process. I know it's a process, but, but when you talk about, uh, you, you're by the way, great cliffhangers where you're like, I think I just ruined Tom Hanks's, you know, whole appearance and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, we have moments like that almost every day, right. Where it's just like, Oh crap. I didn't see this coming. Uh, and, and the stakes feel really high when you're doing this on a movie with a massive budget where oh my God, they yeah. can't reshoot or you're, you we're, know, we're talking like $10,000 yeah. every minute that Insane. you're not like, wow. if they say rolling and you're not ready, you're costing them an awful lot of money. And that's right? the difference and between oh, you working again and not right with like a lot oh, of these people, God. right? Yeah, Your rep no, is the, on the, the line. Can you, I think the biggest thing with movies is I think everybody's got the talent to work in the movies. Do you have the intestinal fortitude yeah. to handle the pressure because uh -huh. at the end of a movie like you'll you'll find you'll talk to anybody no one i know in industry will work more than two movies at a time and there's some or not at a time but like back to back yeah or you'll see somebody who's done like a three run yeah and they are literally a shell a, of a, a human. sack of potatoes they are <laughs> like they're, they're the soulless meat slack walking so around maybe <laughs> your special forces training and all that stuff wasn't for not here i mean your your intestinal yeah. fortitude yeah. your your ability to endure stress like those are all things that we have to confront on a daily basis and we don't talk about it as much that's why i, I give a oh my God, mad props to james to. for doing his video on the mm. mental health aspect because yeah. we're always showing the best of what's happening and not nearly enough about the challenge mm -hmm. it's interesting when you say that because like when i was in the infantry you have the junior ranks club or like you know where everybody goes for beers on base where you're allowed to talk about everything right? yeah and in friday night or whenever an exercise was over you go there and it was nothing more and i kind of in a perverse way miss it because it was like 
oh yeah, you thought your day sucked? You got to see about the volume of suck I dealt with. So it was this this giant, like my day sucked more sort of, you know, <laughs> who wins by having the worst possible day? And yeah. It was like this competition. But yeah. because we had that vent, it made it much more tolerable. Now, working as entrepreneurs and stuff, we don't necessarily have the junior ranks club to go and hang out and have coffee and go, my day sucked more than your day. No, yeah. And because of that, we're not venting. And then mm -hmm. things like James happen. But that's how right? this whole yeah. podcast came about. I told you, like this well, was uh, this yeah. was a series of calls because we needed the catharsis of like, yeah. oh my god, you wouldn't believe what this customer said to me today, or you wouldn't believe what so and so <laughs> did, or like I can't believe the vendor did X. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to find those outlets other ways, and that's really important. And that could be a topic of completely different episode at some point. Um, yeah, but it's important we for sure. You know, we, we, as entrepreneurs, a lot of times, uh, you know, we, we look at other entrepreneurs out there that are being successful, mm, right? We see yeah. these little snippets of their, of their life or as they progress and we see the, these good parts, but what we don't see is, is that they became an overnight success in a period of five years. We don't see that five years of grind. Exactly. Yeah. We don't see all of that, all of those trials that that entrepreneur had to go through to get to where they are. Yeah. And and so then, you know, it's like, okay, well, we as entrepreneurs, we take that in and we don't actually realize that or compute it ourselves. We just say, oh, well, you know, we must be doing something wrong. Like, why aren't we, you know, now at that overnight success level or why aren't we growing as much as we are? And, you know, I think well, it all stems from not being able or not sharing more of that suck that we all experience as entrepreneurs with everyone. It's a fine well, line. It's kind of behind. Open. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like Facebook too. You see, you know, all the happy faces and everything. The happier person yeah. I see on Facebook, I'm thinking in that, real life, they must be miserable as hell. Miserable. They're, they're projecting. So there was yeah. one guy came to me and he's like, you know, I hate working for these, you know, ultra rich millionaires that really don't need to be doing this and all these producers and so, producers and directors. Some of them are that way. Mm. Some aren't. Most of them aren't. Yeah. And the thing is, is I, I looked at him and I said, well, if he's so rich and he can do anything he wants, why the fuck is he on a stage or on at this movie stage in this miserable situation, sucking it up with the rest of us if he's so rich? The fact is, is the fact that he's here is, is he's making a wage to pay some bill just like we are. Well, and, right? and passion, and I would hope to make that assumption. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You've you've interacted with far more directors and stuff too. But I mean, yes, it sucks when you're in it. But at the end of the day, if you step back, you're like, I I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. And I think a I think that is a common thread. Like I think there's a lot of directors like mm -hmm. you're, you're right, Spielberg and uh you know James Cameron. They they don't need to, but it's all they've known, and it's like they love it. Why would they yeah. not? Right. Uh, so there's there's True. that aspect too. The the other there, thing there is. I want to layer on one more thing from what Andrew had said. We are living in a world of social media today where it's like the personal brand, like we we are we we feel that we have to share what we're doing all the time. And the flip side of that is that your audience is is out there and they can say whatever the hell they want and it, it can ruin your day a lot of the time. Yeah. Um and and I don't know that we've ever been in a place where we've as as humans have been like fully mentally equipped for what that looks like or what that feels like right no. because we see like oh you know uh, a top top tier you know like ha hacksmith for example like oh he must be living the dream man he's got like 13 million viewers and all mm -hmm. this stuff but that just means he's got this much more shade coming his way yep. and and the mm -hmm. the burden of like 
it, you're just adding zeros onto the end well, of stuff at the end of the day, right? The thing is, you can have a miserable day, but if your persona is the happy guy, yep, you're screwed because like there's there's been days <laughs> where like I'll be completely honest. Let's let's go to Wilson. Wilson's a perfect example. So I've, I've been paid to do the Wilson video series. I've got one more video to do on that. I need to get it done. And there's all sorts of other distractions and everything to do. But the fact remains is some of the shots and some of the stuff I need to tell the story to move the story forward, mm -hmm. I need to either be happy or I have to be in that, that mind frame. And to be completely honest, my life is no better or worse than anybody else. But like lately, there's been a lot of suck. Yeah. And because of that suck, it's really hard for me to get on camera and do something effective. Be I've, happy. I've tried yeah. recording stuff and it reads so bad. And it's so like, it's like, I have this line that I need to say to the camera, <laughs> right? And it's just like, this isn't going to sell. And I can't, I don't want to, I want to do that to my audience. At the yeah. same time, they're expecting it. So now I'm in this conundrum of going, is my mental health and my ability to produce a product more valuable or less value? Like it, it becomes this, this, and it, then it's another layer of stress that I'm dealing with and it's not making it any easier. So how do I fight my way out of this? I'm going to, I'm going to quote, uh, my favorite, uh, character, John Ralphio, uh, and just say pills, baby. Like that's like, that's the, no, I'm, I'm kidding. The, I, I had this exact conversation we, we talked about this a little bit with Joel last week, even, uh, but I've had multiple offline conversations that I'm, I'm trying to do more shorts and more stuff like yeah. content creation is like, unfortunately the last thing that I have time for, but it's so important. And so with yeah. the advent of shorts and stuff, I'm like, okay, I can, I can do digestible chunks. Like I can, I can be on enough, but there there are so many days where I'm just like, I'm not feeling it. I, totally. I, I understand. I understand. Like we want to project this happiness and one, we're our own worst critic, but you know, two, it's just like, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't force these things. Like, and for it to engage in the way that we want to, and for, to be known, like I want to have positive conversations and I, I, I don't, I want to be happy about it. I want it to not feel hard. Well, beyond mm -hmm. that too, it's like, like at Silicon, when like you and Joel and Dave and everybody were sitting down, what I loved about the group of people there is, is that everybody's got an intrinsic sort of, they, they push out energy to the world. And I know I'm one of those people, um, but you know that, you know, that one friend where you just need to sit next to him and suddenly you get excited going, Ooh, something's about to happen. Right. Mm -hmm, I know I'm mm -hmm. one of those people. You were definitely one of those people, Cooch. Like I sat beside you. I'm just like, oh shit. You're like, who's this, this guy? Awesome. <laughs> right. But, but so what, what I see happening, I don't know how this translates digitally, but like this is more an in person thing, whether it's pheromones in the air or whatever. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, is that you end up pushing a lot of this out, but you're not getting it back. So you're pushing so much stuff to the world that mm. because you're not getting that same amount of energy back, you're not replenishing your own batteries. That's a great point. Silicon was amazing because you're sitting in a group of people that all have this energy yeah. and mm -hmm. each person that came and sat down at that table, the energy amped up. And like, I, it was what four in the morning on the last day. Yeah. And we're in the lobby, like loud as hell. Oh, yeah. And it just, everybody came in at the, the energy you was can't, just you can't amping stop up it. and amping up and amping yeah. up. And you're just like, I don't want this to end. It was like yeah. a drug. It was. And that totally helped me recharge for a bunch of stuff. But lately, lately I've been pushing out to the world and not necessarily getting back. And because I'm not getting back. And is that, is that 
selfish of me? I don't know. No, it's I'm the same exact way. That's why one of the the other reason besides the catharsis that I do this is I I leave these podcasts feeling energy because like the, yeah. this is a two way street and we're so used to being in, in the in front of the one way mirror with no feedback and no like. You know, like think about as an actor, one of the hardest thing. I'm, I'm not an actor, but I'm just saying mm. I, I'm, I'm speculating that one of the hardest things to do would probably be to act in front of like no audience. Right. Just in front of a camera, because you're not able to derive that energy and that feedback in yeah. a way that allows you to take your performance to the next level. Well, I would love to get an actor on to talk about that at some point. That'd be cool. Well, <laughs> let me let me see if I can help you out with that. But the. Here's the thing is, is a lot of people think actors have it so great and stuff. And, mm. and look at, this is where I always look at things like sad scenes, like, you know, some of the sad scenes in Ghostbusters, right? Yeah. They, you literally will go, who needs to be on set? And if you're not critical to what's happening, you get the F off of here. Yeah, because yeah, you yeah. can't, there's, you have to have these people who have to be upset and crying and hurt. Now you're getting paid to really feel these emotions. Yeah. for days on end yeah and i would turn it on that like that yeah. enemy because yeah. god the, the, the look on these people's faces afterwards you're just like what are we doing this is tantamount to like torture <laughs> <laughs> i i just i think that when i'm trying to so i maybe you've experienced this ben in in your your filming but it's like there there are times where it's like you want a piece for one of your youtube videos or whatever where that requires you be in public doing like a selfie shot or whatever yeah and and i'm like i generally don't care but it still feels weird to me to be like filming myself in public and having people watch me do that and i can't imagine <laughs> if that was my job and then and then all of a sudden i'm expected to cry or to to be funny or you know any of those yeah. things uh it's you know well, was and, sad, sad and you always see the you know the instagrammer or something you know the cute girl over at a beach or something like that taking a picture and yeah i'll be honest i'll roll my eyes and go oh god it's one of those but who am i to judge i do I, that shit it's just a different style right? I, I, I know i know <laughs> exactly uh but it's it's interesting it's interesting uh time check for you because we go as long as we uh need I, to i'm good you know okay. i okay seriously i've got i've got a couple hours we can we can oh, we're, <laughs> we're, gonna we, go, we're not gonna go that long we're not gonna go that long but, but uh uh I, I do have a couple more nuggets and uh or just I, i'm hoping maybe you can drill in a little deeper on some stories from being on set maybe uh talking about budget overruns and and concerns you so on your la latest uh youtube by the way guys if you haven't checked out go check out ben's channel it is so underrated first of all i know i know I, you're i know you're kind of doing like you're not are you trying to be a YouTuber or is this just kind I, of like a, an expression for you? I'll be honest. I, yeah. My dream right now is to be a YouTuber. Okay. At the same time, you know, I'm pitching a TV show and stuff. So I, I question my own motivation sometimes because like uh -huh. if, if I need to be, but here's how I look at it. It's, it's an investment in time that I desperately want to make happen. I've been on YouTube since 2006 and there was one point in time where I owned the CAD engineering space and I did well. Yeah. But now I'm struggling and I'm building like my my growth is not bad. And I know if I put in more content and the whole bit, but like, I don't know, I, I, I want to be a YouTuber, but I can't justify the hours I need to make it happen. Yeah, because I need I need more income. I need more money. I need a reason to do it. And, and, mm -hmm. and it's solely but it, a little while ago, even Dave 
Dave Tobin kind of talked me off the cliff because I'm I was whining, going like, God, I've been here forever. I've done this, and th there's people out there, and like it or not, they're making shitty content, and they got billions of followers, and it's like, well, it's rich get I'm richer, right here. Yeah, <laughs> and and having been with YouTube from the start and talking about how how much that platform's evolved and what it means, and I mean, it wasn't even a profession, obviously, for yeah. people. And now you ask a kid what they want to be when they grow up, and they'll say, "I want to be a YouTuber," which is just <laughs> nuts. Like, drives me crazy to hear that, but. Uh, uh, I mean, it, there's no denying that if you if you do it and do it well, it can be a profession. But we talked to Joel last week about it. We've talked to James about it. That mm -hmm. it's that it it takes a lot of work and it's it's a long tail thing. And, and it's a lot of luck. And and it's being mm -hmm. in the right place at the right time. You, yeah. my friend, are lucky that you have some really substantial contacts and and experience but and stuff like don't... that. But it doesn't translate, right? No, it doesn't. Yeah. And this is the thing. It's like, I, I've i been on Tested a few times with Adam Savage. He's a friend of mine, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and those videos are great. And you have this spike of traffic, but it right. tapers off. And even then, you know, you have people reaching out going, you know, I'm going to, you know, I've gotten on Adam's thing and, and my channel is going to take off and it's going to, it'll look like it for the first week, but then you're going to be so disappointed. Lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and going back to like, even I was saying luck is there's a, a couple friends of mine um, in town that have done exceptionally well for themselves with their businesses. Yeah. And I always go like, what's, what's, what's the, the secret, secret? sauce? You know, yeah. how did you become wealthy? Why are you retired at 45? You know, oh, it God, makes I'm me so angry because I want to be retired at 45. Be 45 next and, week. And where they go, I'm not any smarter. I'm not any more uh, talented. I'm not, I'm not any of the above. They go, I got lucky. Right. Yeah. And the fact mm -hmm. is, is that me wanting to be a YouTuber or anybody wanting to be a YouTuber, grab your D20 and roll it. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is you're going to have to sit there and either sit in it. So there's yeah. two ways you can look at it. Keep rolling that fucking die yeah. until you hit the 20. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's that can be like, you know, your arm is going to get really fatigued. Right. You may never get there. Yeah, never, yeah, yeah. Or you get lucky and you get through you, you rolled a natural 20 right off the get-go it it's but I, I would desperately love to say it's talent but the fact is is it isn't and the problem is is that we're going to critique yourself by going is my content good enough is the quality good enough and i always ask myself that but i look at my videos and like i've got a professional editor i've got a videographer that's like mm. second to none to sit there and question whether quality's there I'm being an asshole to myself. You gotta, you gotta look at like, so what I try to do, and it's so hard to do is if I was a friend of myself looking at him going like, I know that I need to like your content, but trust me, I'm going to tell you if it sucks. Right. And I will, but your content doesn't suck and you're doing the right things. It just, it sucks. And you're just going to have to put in the hours, but I can't tell myself that. And I desperately wish I could, because I can tell everybody else that mm -hmm. I just can't tell myself that this goes <laughs> right back to what you were just talking about. The problem is, is that you're not, you're, you're accustomed to that dopamine hit from, yeah. from that, mm -hmm. and that, that, that feedback that you get. And it takes a lot of time and work to get uh, up, you know, to hockey stick to the point where you're like, you're tipped. Right. And, right. and it's even mm -hmm. harder and harder in this day and age because the competition, especially post COVID and all this stuff where like everybody's online now and subscriber numbers yep. don't mean the same thing that they once did. And it's a, what have you done for me lately world that everybody is in. Well, and, and go back to like, there was a while back I'm sitting there going, I don't belong here. I don't deserve this. 
And then luckily that, that positive voice in my head went like, Tom fucking Hanks called you to build a robot. People don't get to that level by being yeah. bad. Pull your head out of your ass. But it's not because <laughs> yeah. you're you. So so here's the challenge, right? Because it's like I'm with you. It's like I like the idea of uh, I I think I, I I will say it till the end of time. I think that it's important that everybody promote their personal brand in some way or another. I don't know that everybody is meant to be a YouTuber. Maybe you're super yeah. into Instagram, but you need to do something so that just you stay part of the conversation so that the phone does ring mm -hmm. so that you make those because it's the contacts. Yeah. And you know, this is okay. So let's go to movies. I know a lot of people yeah, are probably, yeah. I saw some questions like on, on Twitter that were coming through what, are, and I know invariably it's like, how do I get into the industry? So, yes. And, and the thing mm -hmm. is that I, it's a 50, 50 split going to film school is a good idea and a bad idea. I don't think it's going to make it any easier or harder to get into industry. I think it's going to allow you to go on to set and understand what's going on better than somebody like myself who walked in as an engineer going, what the hell is going yeah. on? Um, <laughs> one preemptive thing though, is I found that movie sets are very similar. Like the, the command structure and the way they're run is very, is very much like the military. For me, as soon as I realized that hmm. this is just like the military, it's just like the stakes are no longer, am I going to live or die? It's a, mm -hmm. are we going to get the shot or not? Right. But the command structure, and, everything, and as soon as I had my head about that, I'm like, I understand the structure and I could navigate it really well. So those who are ex-military yeah. movies are a great place for you to go because you're going to understand the environment almost instantly on how it's all run. Mm, interesting. But yeah. um, the other thing is, is that you got to find people that are in the movies and make yourself available. Granted, I was just lucky and somebody happened to be in town working on a movie that knew me. Yep. and said, I need help, and you've got the talent. So you need to find those people that are working in the movies, right? And you don't need, don't go to Networking. them and going, I want to get in, I want to get in, I want to get, that doesn't help them. But mm -hmm. right. listen to them. And they're going, you know, you're having a coffee with them, and they're like, man, I can't find this little electronics board. And it's like, oh, I've got some at my house. Do you want them? You're on their radar. At that point, they know that they can call you for help. And then slowly but surely, they're going to pull you in. So and it, it's all network, you know, like that's Tom the soundbite right there. Me, had I not met Adam Savage, I met yeah. Adam Savage because he was building props for for Ghostbusters. And the reason why we're friends now is, is that when he came, I tried very hard. When I first met him and stuff, I'm like, I, I looked at him. I'm like, OK, there's I've, I've met some pretty famous people, right? Sure. So like you are mm -hmm. for me the pinnacle. So can, I'm just gonna fangirl out for a few minutes. Just let me get it out with my system. But he laughs. He's like, okay. <laughs> oh, but you were talking about we started, me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we talking, and the thing is, is that you know, at that point, I became me, and yeah. I've yeah. got the same sort of love for cools, for tools, and and cool devices and machines. And we started talking about this, and the next thing I know is like, he's like, hey, what's your number? I'm gonna put it in my phone so we can talk. Yeah. And it was just because. I went away from your famous to, hey, we've got some really cool stuff to share and we've got a lot of commonality. Now, that being said, is if you're going to meet a star and you have these expectations in your head, mm. you got to put all of that to bed because, you know, you have those people going, I'm going to meet this person. We're going to be best friends. It's going to be a lot of, and it's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Meet the person, find out if you like them or not, because it's just like meeting somebody on the street. Either you right. like them or you mm -hmm. don't. And if, if that spark isn't there, right. walk away and live with it, but don't, right. don't try to manufacture something that isn't there.
That's a and, uh, man. I got hold on. I want to. I want to. I want to just stop on that <laughs> for just a second because, in my experience, that has so. Let's talk about the networking aspect because we we've yeah. talked about it before. It's like it's not what you know; it's who you mm-hmm. know, and uh, and we've talked about yes, luck and, and all this stuff. He's a there, part of the puzzle, but it's not the whole thing, it, right? And it's nuanced. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I, yeah. I completely understand that. And there there are, there are people that are going to go their entire life without the opportunity to actually like even cross paths with like a lot of these people. Yeah. I get that. This is a privilege, but absolutely. In the yeah, please don't get me wrong. In I the, fully understand that. In the world that we live in, like in thinking about how to engage, like first of all, in my experience with the the more famous people that I've met and granted it's not nearly at the caliber of of what you're talking about, but anybody that I meet, I always take the position of like, this is a fellow human. There is something that we have in common, uh, that Mm -hmm. there is plenty that can be talked about and we can enjoy conversation and that there doesn't have to be an agenda. But the minute that you go up to somebody like this and I think you did it well with, with Tom Hanks. Like if you're, if you're at least honest about it, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm just like, it's a little bit overwhelming. They're encountering people that are fangirling and all that stuff all yeah. the time. And uh, if you're going to go in and you're like, Hey, I want to get the selfie and all that. You're, you're already classifying yourself in a certain category in their mind that is going to make you less accessible than if you find a way to connect with them. So if you found you were, you were like, Hey, we, Adam and I enjoy making, and we had a great conversation about this, that, and the other thing. It adds the humanity to the, you know, thing. And that, that is Mm -hmm. effective networking with anyone, whether there are a uh, famous person or not finding Mm -hmm. a way to engage them in, 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 in that. And what you said about solving a problem, like listen and think about what it is. And then what can you bring to the table? Not like, Hey, Hey, can you get, can you hook me up? Because nobody wants people that are, yeah, go ahead. I've seen people do this where they're so desperate for that problem and to solve something and to be that guy Mm. that they're manufacturing stuff that doesn't exist. And they're like, well, Uh, I've got a solution to it. And it's like, but it wasn't a problem. Why are we talking about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really listen. They will literally say, I'm having a problem and it's this, not... I was working on the RTV and the wheel came off. Oh, I've got a solution for that. I wasn't asking for a solution. I was telling you a fact that wheel came off. I've got the solution. Don't. Exactly. Don't so like, so what did you, what did you do? Like keep engaging. Don't mm-hmm. necessarily. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's funny. Yeah. Cause it's kind of like dating one Oh one too. It's like, Oh my God. Keep yes. them talking <laughs> about them, not you talking yep. about, there's going to be plenty well, of opportunity and let them ask you about you. They will ask you if they're interested, they will ask you about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Side note, and this is one thing I think is really <laughs> funny because I always find it's it's insight to a lot of people. I remember this one guy saying it's so hard to date now with like, you know, you got to be woke and, you know, I have to ask for a kiss or something like that. And I'm like, absolutely you do. I go, I was doing that in the 80s. If I was going to kiss somebody for the first time. You were asking for kisses kiss, before it was right? even cool, Ben. But, and, he's like, yeah. and he's like, but I try to compliment a girl and I'm like, okay, you can totally, he goes, you can't compliment girls anymore. I'm like, yes, you can. And he's like, how? Right. And I'm like, okay. Don't talk about their body. If genetics, <laughs> if they have nice blue eyes, yeah. their hair, yeah. their body shape, their smell, you cannot talk about this. These are things they have no control over. But if they bought a nice shirt and that shirt looks really good on them, you can go, that shirt is awesome on you. You're allowed to compliment that. You can compliment on things that they have control of. But you cannot compliment on things they do not have control of. And as soon as you put that in your head, you are like the smoothest operator ever. And I learned this from an old guy when I was a teenager. 
at a retirement thing. And he told me exactly that. Never compliment on the physical. Yep. Compliment on what they have control of. Right. And he goes, mm-hmm. and and he was he was one of these old guys that was just smooth. And girls, young girls would even swoon when he came in because they knew that something, something nice is coming their way on a decision <laughs> that they made, right? And it made them feel good. And it, it's that simple. I mean, uh, dude, we could go deep, so deep on Ben Eadie's <laughs> dating tips, but uh, I was gonna say it's gonna be maker that money dating oh, tips and, now, and, right? That's <laughs> who everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. I am like one of the most awkward people on the planet with girls. I barely can talk to girls until I was in my twenties, and, and yet I'm, you I'm still found one. Okay, so there's I can hope. give you the best advice in the world. I cannot affect any of it. <laughs> oh man. So, so uh, what I, what I was starting to lead into with the whole, like on the, on the set and budget overruns, you talked about on the Tom Hanks video and stuff, how it took, Mm -hmm. it, it, it always takes more time and more money, you know, the getting the programming done or whatever. And, and now, so that, you know, that was for your YouTube channel, you know, take it to the whole nother level when you're on a movie set, you're, you've got, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. stress on you to, to, and anytime you're building electronic, like the props that you're building are, are pretty technical. I mean, I think you've done a huge swath of stuff, but obviously like the majority of your value, when you're looking at some of the stuff that you've done that like flip cars over and, and, uh, you know, you're, you're, there's a lot that can go wrong with a lot of these things, right? It's yeah, not, you know. I, I really kind of dig in the whole props thing because yes, I can make car cannons and yes, I can make some of the largest rotating sets in, in movie history. Yeah. Each one of those are literal man eaters. They will kill someone if it's not done right. Yeah. And that's a risk mm-hmm. I take. Right. And the thing is, is like um, on my video, you see a car cannon of a Humvee coming. There's a guy driving it, right? Yeah. Leaf. And he's a friend of mine. Yeah. And if something goes south, there's a very real possibility that I could have or might kill a friend of mine. And that is so like I when when they're running these stunts, I do not breathe for the two minutes. It happens until I hear an all clear. We're good. And then suddenly I'm like, (gasps) see, there's that army training value again. I never like the RTD getting squished under a thing. It's a thing. Wow. And your heart might sink that, okay, maybe I lost a job because I pissed somebody off because I squished a, a very expensive prop, but it wasn't people. And the, the mm-hmm. volume of pressure goes away. Yes, I can do that stuff. It's tough. It really mm-hmm. is. And there are people that like, every year somebody's going to be killed on set because of a car cannon or a gun or, or something. And it, it's a chain of events and it's not necessarily you, but do you, are are you made of the material needed to be able to cope with this should it happen mm. is mm-hmm. and it it might be grim but the the reality is is it can happen and you got to be ready for it mm. but you also can't let it be in your head that much can't because that on you. Yeah. if that voice is going i always found that if you have a voice in your head saying this is going to happen this is going to happen this is going to happen being a negative thing it will happen if you can shut that voice down and go, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. The chances of it being good are better, but you got to be able to get that negative voice out. And that that in and of itself is a whole thing that it's... Mm-hmm. So you're a believer in the law of attraction to for good or bad then in terms of like... Yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah. You, you keep, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Andrew, for a moment, if you would, liability... It's, it's interesting to hear Ben talk about this because I hadn't considered like the stakes 
of somebody mm-hmm. actually being and, and and sadly it's happened people are killed on movie sets sure. because of accidents the the rust experience with uh yeah uh, mm-hmm. you know recently happening and and uh, you know all that and stuff and, and four years ago there was a guy with a, a car flipper very similar design to mine and it it's a pressure vessel with six thousand psi in it if it's not welded mm-hmm. properly it'll blow up and Boom. it literally took a guy's head off there's a reason why like the the ones we make we'll do two tests we'll do two shots on set at that point we send that in some cases million dollar chunk of metal to be cut mm-hmm. up because we can't predicted safety anymore mm-hmm. right yeah it's yeah it's, absolutely so you know we we've talked if we're talking about the two barriers the biggest barriers to entrepreneurship for a lot of people one in the united states mm-hmm. i would say like the 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 fear of how am i going to pay for all of it you know healthcare and all that stuff but second being liability you know mm-hmm. because those are two big game over situations If, if I get Mm -hmm. really severely hurt or whatever, it can be game. Or if an employee gets severely hurt, that, that, Mm -hmm. that can tie to the liability piece where it's like, we get sued game over. Um, obviously Mm -hmm. when you're running a chemical company, like Andrew is and stuff like that. And the hoops Mm -hmm. he has to jump through for hazmat and all that stuff. Liability, Mm -hmm. product liability is a much greater concern than for somebody like me that just makes silly little boxes that hold spools. So, Mm -hmm. um, speak for a moment, Andrew, in terms of like, you're what you have to do so that 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 weight of that doesn't weigh on you entirely and maybe i i know you don't necessarily have military well, experience to draw from like ben does like where people are dying sure result, but but the stakes i, I mean insane. stakes are high yeah they, they, they are i mean you know for for me i think it comes back to understanding what the potential risk is and trying you know because you can't eliminate it right we can do things to uh lower that risk or lower the potential outcomes but you know there is nothing that we can do to put you know permanently eliminate those risks the only way to do that is to not do said thing right Mm -hmm. um you know it's just basically to just not go down that road um, you know, so for us, like when it, when it came down to, you know, just understanding that liability, like, you know, I have a business partner, his name's also Andrew. Um, you know, That's I'm more of a, <laughs> I, I'm more of a risk taker and mm-hmm. it's just, you know, naturally built in me. Like, I, you know, I can see these risks, I can understand them. And to me, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I, I understand it. I fully get that, you know, one thing uh, uh, on this entire chain of dominoes can set it off and topple the entire, you know, the entire set. But it's understanding, okay, how do we navigate around those dominoes so that we don't knock them over to yeah. the best of our ability? Um, and I think it just comes down to constantly reflecting on those because i mean there isn't a day that goes by that i'm not reflecting on okay what can i do to help eliminate this next liability like i mentioned earlier we have to solve a bunch of different problems and each time we get to a new level we have a new set of problems to to eliminate i shared on a previous show like we had you know at one point in time our first recall where we had to recall product that was the first time we did that but when we did that such a gut shot unfortunately yeah we unfortunately opened up that next level where our insurance is like well listen you have to have a way of tracking those batches so that should you have a recall you have a way of you know figuring out which ones were affected and so now it's like okay well this is another future potential liability we've got to work through we've got to understand and it's been a process and it's been understanding like 
okay, how do we how do we make this happen? Um, so, you know, so hopefully, I mean, you, you're, you're at a level with your business where it's like, you can have these, it sucks when you're in it, Mm -hmm. but you know, that which does not kill you makes you stronger. So if there's a learning opportunity thing to to be better, but there is a Mm -hmm. degree of mental preparation and physical preparation. So Ben talk for a moment, what do you do to mitigate that risk? And is it just test, test, test? And because you're not going to yeah. come up with every potential no. scenario. There's too many variables so to this control. Is, this is where um, my ADHD is an absolute <laughs> superpower. Mm. And I literally, when I'm on set, I don't take my ADHD meds because it's like a turbocharge. <laughs> okay. Mm. Now, leaning ADHD into the ADHD minds are at least mine, I know there's, it's a spectrum, but mm-hmm. mine goes a million miles a second, right? And the reason um, I can I can go through this is I can look at a scenario and I can run a million different ways from Sunday on why this thing can go wrong in my head. Yeah. And then I can, out of those million ideas, I pull my moleskin out and go, what are the most likely to happen? Which ones are not there? And I'll write those down and I'll test for those. Right. Yeah. And barring that, then I make sure I have a list of what are the next set. And given how much time you have, you do your testing and figure out what's going to go on. Then you do things like, okay, if uh, the axle blows out, how long is it going to take me to replace the axle and literally go and do it? You can sit there and go, okay, it's going to take me five minutes. No, no, no. Go and do it and find out, okay, this takes seven minutes. So this is where on set they go, okay, the batteries are bad or the axles come off. How long is it going to be? And I'll go seven minutes and they'll roll their eyes and go that specific. And I'm like, you're wasting my time. Seven minutes from when you say go. And they're like, yeah, right. And I guarantee you'll be seven minutes. And that's one of the reasons why they love me because I can say, I'll tell you how long it's going to take because I've already tried it and I wrote it down. And I knew exactly how long it's going to take. And that, that is it. But the, the whole mitigate risks is allowing my brain to go on these explosive how many ways from Sunday can it go wrong things? And I can understand machinery that way um, because there's a certain predictability and electronics right. because there's there's logic to it. Yeah. Apply that to a human? No. No, 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 yeah, no. That's... Way too many variables. <laughs> and that's why I was that's so... the hardest part about business is the human element, man. Yep. There's yeah. there's an interesting piece that we that you know I actually use fairly regularly. Um, it's called the known unknown matrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the idea is is you have your known knowns, your known unknowns, your unknown knowns, and your yeah. unknown unknowns. So and the more you so know, you know, you know. Part... The more you know, you don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. It's that easy. So, it's you know, that easy. You know. You have your known knowns. These are the things you know yeah. and understand, right? You, you, these are the problems that you can immediately see and potentially like, oh, okay, um, you know, this is this is a likely outcome. And you can yeah. write those down. You can go through yeah, that yeah. risk management. Um, you know, then you have your known unknowns. So these are things that you 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 are aware that could happen, but you don't know like maybe yeah. how they would happen, right? They're they're less likely, but you, you kind of know or understand a little bit about them. Then you yeah. have the unknown knowns, right? So these are things that you don't even Those know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the unknown unknown is in the next level up from that. So you're not even aware of it and you're not even aware of what yeah. could actually happen because of it. And but- so- Go yeah, ahead. go ahead. <laughs> no, but you're talking about like imagine a box, right? And yep. you've, mm-hmm. you've broken yeah, that into yeah, four yeah. things. World experience says that this is the known knowns and it's it's an mm-hmm. equal piece when you start in yeah. to anything. Mm-hmm. But 
as you gain experience, that starts squeezing everything out. So that those other two yeah. or those other three boxes get really small and over into the corner. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, the reason why I'm good at like say mechatronics or electronics is is that I've dove in and I've experience. wrecked things and I've yep. done yeah. I've I've experienced it all and I've allowed myself allow yourself to fail. Like when I go buy say an Arduino board, yeah. never buy one. Right. Buy at least yeah. two. By five is recommended because, like, one thing I do want to say is one and one is not saying that I've heard is one is none. If I come in with one prop, it's going to get screwed up and it's not going to be usable, and we can't get the shot. You always have two, and that's bare minimum. My preferred is like four to five, yeah, right? Because you're gonna wreck it, right? Yeah, so if you're gonna buy something for experimentation, buy many because you're gonna let the magic smoke out, you're gonna screw it up, you're gonna bleed. And just mm-hmm. accept it because each one of those is an investment and you're learning so that you can increase that known known box. I, yep. I love that. Uh, <laughs> the the other thing is, I mean, we've all heard the expression, you know, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about luck earlier, but like the reason that Ben Eady has value and keeps getting callbacks on these things is because he has that experience and that knowledge of knowing like this, the, exactly these things he's prepared. He's allowed, he's leaning into his ADHD. He knows what works for him. He knows that it's going to take him five minutes to replace the axle. He's already thought about the things that the director's not wanting to work it, yeah. worry about. And that's, are you solving a problem for somebody that they just don't even want to deal with? Like that's an oh. amazing value. And so you get, and the better you get at it, like mo- working movies is great, but working live events, oh, um, like say the Wilson volleyball or whatnot, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a whole new level. You don't get number two. You don't get right? another shot. So I'll show up with two props, but that's only for, as soon as they say go, whatever props on the floor is the one we're using, right? Yeah. And go with it. Because of my ability to see, foresee the problems is why I'm getting the live event things. Yeah. I like the live event things. It's not a life or death situation but there's a lot more money in it because the people hiring you to do this are fully aware that the one guy that can make that work every time for that one shot he's worth a lot more than the guy that shows up with 40 of one thing going we've got this it's there's a different mm-hmm. methodology to it yeah yeah sure so does that mean there's more than one wilson I, there must be obviously oh yeah no there was you don't talk I, about I that yeah. i brought three we had two on set because i wanted to like you know that there was one left in the hotel room that made me nervous and we even had the if it doesn't work um you know, I was dressed up in, in all the gear and I'd run out as, as one of the groundskeepers with a wheelbarrow and, and pick up and swap out for the new one. It never came to be, but like, that's the level that level of, of contingency. I love it. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And then can you, can you speak? I mean, I know maybe you're going to, I don't want to, I don't want to steal your thunder on anything that you might be releasing, but in terms of like, what were the mechanics of the, I mean, you say like Tom Hanks give you a call, but I'm assuming like there's organizers, there's like the, the, it, w- how was budget assigned to this whole project? Like, what are the mechanics of that whole thing? So, you know what? I was I was given a budget and was asked, can you do it for this price? And I said, yes. Um, and truth be told, I lost my shirt on that, right? Yeah. And, yeah. but it was totally worth it. I don't, even if I don't get other jobs because of it, the, the experience was totally worth it. Um, I'm yeah. sure my wife sees it differently being the breadwinner of the family. Sure. <laughs> But, uh, you know, there, there was sort of lessons in all that, but like, how did that all go about? Um, as far as organizing, this is funny because in the next video I'm putting out, um, 
we're going to find some insight into, I am not a logistics person. I do not like, there's, there's a story about getting in, going through security at the airport and somebody looked in the bag and said, what is this? And my response was, there's a reason why I have a friend of mine, Dustin. Yeah. I said, this is what I'm doing and whatnot. And he's like, you can't, you can't, Don't I'll take that. care of all the logistics. Don't dude. Say you that. just, you do you and I'll, and you need a hand. The airport's a perfect example of why yeah. I need people like Dustin around. Yeah. And I'm very blessed to have people like Dustin around because I, I, I see the world entirely different than most people. And I say <laughs> stupid things because of it, because I'm oblivious to what those words might be translated to in somebody else's head uh-huh. and, and, and being able to organize and even like getting to like the hotel. Like I was talking to Dustin just before the project going, okay, so yeah. I'm working with Tom Hanks assistant, and then we've got the ball game and then the stadium and all this. And I don't know what to do because I still got this. And he's like, let me take care of it. And this is a leap of faith. And I got very lucky with Dustin and some, and, and this, this girl, Tracy, that's another person in town that I met at a makerspace that I was having problems. They're like, let me take care of it. You got to trust me. Yep. But let me take care of it. And I you did the full cross your arms, fall back and let them catch. Trust me, right? fall. Yeah. But they, they, they knock it out of the park. And then I realized I don't need to put any of that mental capacity towards that side of the project. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I can make a better product. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so that was one of those sort of big things for me where it's like, I've always wanted to do everything myself, but you got to realize that I really suck at peopling. I really suck <laughs> at logistics. I suck at so much i'm really good at certain things sure so surround yourself with people who can fill in those things but they can't just fill it in they they have to want to invest in you they have to um see that end goal because if you're hiring somebody to do just the job they're not going to do it effectively and it's not mm-hmm. going to work mm-hmm. versus having that person like my, my friend dustin can make so much more money uh, renting things and putting together bars with audio systems and stuff. I'm like, why are you doing this for me? Cause I'm in the end, he rarely takes any money from me. And he's like, I just went and met Tom Hanks. I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. And you know, they're, 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 he sees the different intrinsic values. Yeah. Is, is not money for him, but because of mm-hmm. that, it also makes it exceptionally powerful because he sees where I'm going and, he makes things happen because he knows that there's other things on the horizon. If you help me do something, then my network's totally available to you and we can do bigger things together effectively. Not all value is immediate and monetary. And I think yeah. that's a tough mm-hmm. thing for a lot of people. And it's it's a hierarchy of needs thing. Like we don't all have the luxury. So to yeah. some extent, you could argue happiness and success is really just getting to the point where you can choose to do the things that you want to do more than have to do mm-hmm. regularly. And th- this falls into that category. It sounds like he's doing well enough with his other stuff that he can he can yeah. choose to do opportunities like this. And maybe that's the equivalent of like a lawyer taking on a pro bono job or something, you know, to that effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a maker, there's a lot of value in doing, you know, the pro bono stuff. Sometimes yeah. it, we can't mm-hmm. do it every time, but uh, it's rewarding in other ways, and it opens up, opens doors and opportunities well, that you would not otherwise get. With Dustin, the perfect example is, is you know, we we shot this this uh, this Sizzler reel for a TV show that we're pitching, and 
you know, he donated a bunch of camera equipment stuff. And I'm like, what are you getting out of this? And he's like, if you get picked up, I'm a producer and I'm going to do all the rentals. And I'm like, ha, <laughs> right. He knows that there's, that there's a EP long credit. tail in this. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the reward of this dice throw can be really cool. So he's in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're taking gambles all the time. That's an interesting. That's cool. Well, listen, Ben, we've taken up like way too much of your time. We've done a solid 90. We could do another 90. I have no <laughs> doubt of that. We'll have to have you back at some point, follow up on some mm -hmm. of the things, but we are greatly appreciative of you joining us on our small little podcast here and sharing your insights. And, uh, man, it just, I hope, um, I wish you nothing but success. I, I want you to know you, like so much energy I like derive from having these conversations and, uh, yeah. and I'm, I'm glad that you uh, opened the door to some of the Ben 80 experience for us and our listeners here. <laughs> so thank you, my friend. Anytime, anytime. Yeah. If, uh, if you would do us the solid of just taking us out with your best, like Tom Hanks, like Wilson, like scream, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Like right now, and we're gonna pull that. Oh my Do, are you ready? Well, are you really? ready? You can have multiple takes, even. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hit us with Wilson! one. Perfect. I love it. I love it. One take, one take, Edie. You're thumbnail, aren't you? You can bend like a hat. Yes. <laughs> That's it's exactly right. We've got our thumbnail, we've got our sound bite for, uh, for, for next That's time. So thank good. you. Andrew, yeah. thank you as always for your amazing insights and all this stuff. And if you're still thank with you us in the chat, yeah, man. I'm, seriously, I'm like, we'll have to talk later. I've got, I've got another. Product. All right. I'm sure everybody talks about this, but I need to run a use case past you. Uh, okay. He's awesome. your man. Sounds great. He's your man. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is another Maker That Money in the Can for Friday, February 17th. We'll be back next weekend. Same bad time, same bad channel, 9 a.m. Pacific here on the YouTubes for another episode of Maker That Money uh, and uh, with, with guests uh, to be announced. So stay tuned for that. Uh, thank you. Please like, subscribe, smash uh, like buttons and uh, ring bells and all that fun stuff. And bring a friend to the next one if you like. If you're getting value, hit us up on the Twitters if you like. We love questions, comments. Tell us what we should do, what we shouldn't be doing, all that stuff. Until next time, this is Pooch from Repcord. Andrew from The Glue. And the Dreadmaker Roberts. Signing <laughs> off. Sign off, everybody. Happy weekend.